being nine and came to find us, God. And we thank you so much for your love to us this morning. Father, we pray that you would speak to us today in this service. Uh, Lord, if there's anything we need to hear from you, if there's anything we don't understand, God, if there's any direction that we don't have, Father, we pray that you would reveal yourself to us in a real way today. And uh, God, we would get new direction, we would get new clarity, we would get new power and strength from you. Father, we give you so much thanks that you are here, you are with us, you are our honored guest here today, Father. We thank you that your word says where two or three are gathered together, you're in the midst of them. But Father, we know that we have more folks here than that today. And we know that your Holy Spirit came into this place with us. But we know that your Holy Spirit is also working behind the scenes and doing things that we cannot do. And so we give this time to you. We give our lives to you. We give all our hopes and dreams to you, Father. We place it all in your hands. And Father, we thank you for Jesus who makes it all possible. We thank you for what he's doing in our lives. We thank you that you're making us look more and more like him every single day. If we just submit ourselves to you, if we'll just surrender to you. And Father, we pray that's what would happen. Speak to us today, Father. If you don't speak, there's nothing of any worth going to be said here today. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak to us. It's in Jesus' name I ask these things. And Rushwood said together, amen. All right, we found Michael. And so he's, come, you can come on up. Yeah, you can be seated and Michael can come on up here with us this morning. Yeah, come right on up. He's like, really? Up on the platform? Yeah. Let's give him a round of applause. Michael, we wanted to present this to you. We're very proud of you. He's graduated from Southwestern Randolph High School. And so uh, we got a few cougars out there, I can tell. That can be taken wrong. But anyway, uh, the school, the school. Uh, but we're very proud of you. Can you tell everybody what your plans are after graduation? Or do you have plans yet? Okay, he's going to be working at James River John Deere dealership. And so we pray that God would bless him there and he would be a great influence there in that. So uh, congratulations again. We're very proud of you. He helps out in the sound booth. I'm sure he, he's probably headed back that direction right now. I said, come on up here with me. He said, what is going on? I said, no, come on. Seriously, man, come on up. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing out there today? Good. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you've chosen to worship with us. Today is a bittersweet day for me. Um, it will be my last day with you for six weeks as I begin uh, my six-week sabbatical. And I ask for your prayers. I'm going to reiterate that as we go through this sermon today. Um, but I, I would ask for your prayers for me and for my family, uh, for refreshing and direction. And, and, and I will explain all that to you. Um, but I definitely need your prayers during this time. I, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I do want to make sure that everybody understands what a sabbatical is. Uh, sabbaticals, especially in larger churches, are very commonplace now that pastors take sabbaticals to get refreshed, to get on a new path, to hear from God. In mid-size and smaller churches, sabbaticals aren't as common, which is a shame uh, because if you study the, uh, the uh, data on ministers, we are one of the most vulnerable groups of people uh, in any profession. Ministers go out Sunday after Sunday. Ministers go out of the ministry. They choose to leave and they choose never to come back. 
uh, sin and all sorts of other problems are rampant among the ministry. And I think a big part of that is we don't take Jesus' example. Jesus gave us the example in the Gospels. He was ministering to people. He was healing people. He was speaking the word to people. But then he would get away. And uh, the Gospel of Mark says he often withdrew to lonely places to be with the Father so that he could get refreshed, so that he could get restored, so that more ministry could happen. And we have his example. And we actually have the, the example of Sabbath, which is where the word sabbatical comes from. But we don't practice it. Too many times as pastors, we have the thought that we are the church. And if we're not here and if we're not making it happen, it's not going to happen. And really, that's a lie from Satan. It's Jesus Christ's church. This is not Brent Tysinger's church. Really, in a, in, a, in a certain sense, it's not your church either. It's Jesus's church. He's the one. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And so we have to put it in his hands sometimes. And so over the next six weeks, we're going to have capable people here. But I am trusting the Lord Jesus to build his church. I'm trusting you as a congregation. And I need to tell you up front that we have a lot of other mid-sized churches looking at us. Uh, and by the way, I don't want us to have a mid-sized church mentality where we say, you know what, we've got enough people in our church. That's not a mentality I want us to have. But realistically, we're a mid-sized church and we have a lot of other mid-sized churches that are looking at us as a congregation to see, does this work? Is this something that's good for a church? Is this something that's good for a pastor? Will the congregation continue to support the church during this time? And so we're kind of like guinea pigs during this time. And uh, so I, I need you guys to step up and be really good guinea pigs, all right? And I, I know and I trust that that's what's going to happen. But let me give you, I wanted to give you the actual definition of a sabbatical, uh, just so we would know up front what that is. A sabbatical is a period of paid leave granted to a university teacher or other worker for study or travel, traditionally one year for every seven years worked. One year for every seven years worked. And I've been with you guys for about seven years now as your lead pastor. My first Sunday here was July 3rd of 2011. So I'm coming up on the seven-year anniversary of being the pastor here and boy, we've had some tough years. We had a lot to do at first, especially to get this church back up off the ground. Uh, we were down for the count. It looked like it was going to be over, but God worked and ministered, and we were able to bring this church back to life through the power of God's Holy Spirit and through His blessing. And then I would say over the last couple of years since we relaunched and we finally said, look, we're where we're going, we're getting where we want to be, and we became what we were going to be, we've had a lot to deal with then because I think some people figured out, oh, they really never are going back. And, uh, and so that was an issue. But anyway, I've been here about seven years, and uh, I've been in ministry. I count it from the time I was called into ministry. So I've been in ministry about 19 years, and typically sabbaticals come, the first sabbatical comes about 20 years in uh, to avoid burnout uh, because burnout in ministry typically happens about 20 years in. So I don't, wanna, uh, I don't want to belabor the point too much, but I do want to make sure you understand this is not just a vacation for me. Now, the first week of my sabbatical, I am going to the beach with my family, and that is going to be pure vacation for me. I'm not doing a lot of study. I'm not doing a lot of other things. That's going to be family time and fun time. And I am taking, by the way, two weeks of my sabbatical are part of my paid vacation that I get every, week, every year. And so four weeks is what the board has granted me uh, to turn this into a sabbatical. Uh, but it's not going to be a vacation. If you picture that I'm going to be sitting at home 
watching Netflix and chilling and watching ESPN. And I'll do some of that, but that's not going to be the majority of what I'm doing. I'm visiting different churches that I think we can learn from. I'm going to be reading leadership books that I think could, could influence the way I do leadership. Sometimes as a leader, I honestly, I think a lot of times people think I'm too tough, but I'm really not. I think I'm actually too nice sometimes. But anyway, I'm going to read leadership books. I want to read through the Bible, all of it, in this six weeks so, it, so I can hear afresh from God and get new perspectives and see things in there that maybe I haven't seen before. And so I'm not just going to be sitting around. Although my wife did say, exactly what are you doing on this sabbatical? And I said, I exactly don't know right now. Part of it is going to be Holy Spirit-led. I'm trying to give him room to tell me what to do. In fact, the churches that I plan to visit, uh, he's changed some of those in my heart and mind over the last little while. So a lot of it will be Spirit-led. While I'm gone, this is going to be our preaching schedule. Uh, good, that was right on time. Uh, June 10th, next week, will be Pastor Blake. He's back in the tech booth right now. Everybody give Pastor Blake a hand. Does a great job with our tech. <laughs> Pastor Jason's not here this week, and he won't be here next Sunday. He'll be on the way back uh, from, from a cruise, actually, and so uh, he won't be here with us next Sunday, but Pastor Blake will be bringing you God's Word and then for the next four weeks, it will be Pastor Jason. You'll have a month of Jason Baker. I don't know if you'll be able to stand it. But anyway, that's what you're going to get. No, he's going to do an absolute great job. In all honesty, I could not do this if I did not feel that I could leave this post in capable hands. People who could fill my shoes very well and do what I do around here. And uh, so uh, I, I just praise God for that. And then July 15th will be a youth Sunday. The youth are going to be, uh, they don't know if they're going to do the, we'll probably still have our musicians up here, but they're going to be singing and they're going to be leading you guys in worship. And Adam Hurley, he's not a pastor, but he's our youth director. He's going to be speaking to you that Sunday. And the youth are going to be just kind of taking over the church that Sunday. And so that doesn't mean that's a Sunday you shouldn't come. That means that's a Sunday you should come and bring people to support our youth. Amen. All right, very good. So that's the preaching schedule. This is not a time to say, you know what, Pastor Brent's gone, so I'm not going to be coming to church. This is a time to say, you know what, I'm going to make sure as much as I can be, and we did plan this. We know the summer is kind of a lull, and we have vacation times, and people who aren't here, uh, you know, a lot during the summer. And so we kind of planned it right in this pocket here. But we need you to be here as much as possible and support uh, our church family, support those who are in leadership. As these guys, as Jason steps up and Blake steps up and Adam steps up, there'll be other people who have to step up into different positions and they need your support. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's pretty much, uh, let's see, is there anything else I need to say about sabbatical? Yeah, keep coming, keep attending, keep tithing or start tithing, whichever one the case may be. Um, I expect this church, I thought y'all would laugh at that, but some of y'all didn't. Uh, I expect this church will be in better shape when I return than when I leave. I really think God can do that. I really think this congregation can do that. I really think those that will be in charge can do that. And so I expect to come back to a church that is rolling and doing amazing things. And it is largely up to you guys. So I believe you can make it happen. I have faith in you. I have confidence that this congregation is just going to do an amazing job. 
And while I'm gone, you will be going through one of the best-known portions of the book of Ephesians. We were going to do this in the fall, but I thought this would be a good, solid series that these guys could do uh, while I'm not here, while I'm on sabbatical. And so we're going to be going through the gospel armor, or also known as the armor of God. And I want to introduce that to you today. I'm going to do something kind of weird. I'm going to preach the introduction And I'm going to preach a conclusion to you today because both of these fit very well where we are right now. And then in the six weeks on the on the inside, the guys are going to talk about each piece of the armor of God. So it's going to be a great series. You really need to be here and be part of that. It's Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. I'm going to make you stand up one more time. I just feel like it'd be a good time to stand to honor the reading of God's word this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Let's read this all together. Let's, let's, let's do it that way this morning. One, two, three, go. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Thank you for reading God's word with me this morning. You may be seated. Told you last week, last week I had several people who, and I thank you so much for being gracious to me. Several of you came up and I I talked about discouragement that, that I have experienced over the last uh, probably one and a half to two years, probably even at some points was, was what we would term depression. Discouragement may even be, you know, too light of a term. Um, I'm usually the type of person, man, if I have a bad day, the way I get over a bad day is I lay down at night and I go to sleep and I wake up the next morning and I'm good. That's usually me. That is usually where I am. That during this period of time, that's not been the way I was, and that's one of the ways I knew that something was a little different. But thank you so much for those of you who came up and expressed that you would be praying for me. And a lot of you said you never realized that I was going through some of that. I think those closest to me really realized it and, and could really tell. But thank you guys so much for your kindness and your grace toward me. And I, I believe that God is bringing me out of that season, but I believe this six weeks of sabbatical rest will bring me way out of that season so that we can see amazing things, God do amazing things in my ministry and in this church in the fall. Um, But in 2015, we were probably the hottest church in this area. Man, we were growing like crazy, new people all the time. Uh, Man, it was just just great. It was amazing to me because sometimes I would sit back and say, really, that person's coming to our church? I can't believe that person's coming to our church. They don't don't seem like they would fit with me in my ministry, but hey, they were here because everybody was saying, come try Rushwood out. And man, we were on the verge of breaking through in just an amazing, amazing way. We were so close. We were knocking right on the door of just this church exploding and just, just reaching this community in... Not that we're not doing it now, but just in a way that was going to be amazing to see. And it felt like about that time Satan said, all right, guys, talking to his demons, talking to the powers that we're we're wrestling against, it's time to unleash everything you can on Rushwood. 
they are going too far, too fast, and their pastor actually preaches the truth and will actually tackle controversial issues. And we can't have that sort of church doing real well. So let's just unleash everything we can. And man, it, it felt like for a while there, it felt like every day, it was like two or three, sometimes two or three things a day that were coming up. It felt like we were under such an attack. And maybe not everybody experienced that, but I was right in the center of it, and those of us who were right in the center of it could really feel that and just really see that Satan unloaded on us in a way that I had just really never seen before in ministry. I feel like the cancer that came into my life was more of a spiritual attack than anything else. And you say, well, you know, can Satan really do that? Yeah, if you study within God's permission because Satan is on a leash. If you study the story of Job, Satan did a lot to Job, but God said, God had his boundary set and said, look, you can do this, but you can't do any more. Okay, you can go a little further, but you can't go any more. God was still in control, but Satan, I really believe, brought a spiritual attack against my health, against this church. It was just crazy to see. It's not a stretch to say that nearly every important leader and every key member of this church had some kind of attack come into their life. And I, I won't recount them, and I won't go through all of that. Part of that's for privacy reasons with the ones that have been under the attack. Some of them you guys have never even known about. But it seemed like every key person, every key family in this church had something hit them almost all at once. We were also presented with several no-win situations. I love those. Not really. I'm being sarcastic there. Where you have a decision to make, and if you make the right decision, people are going to hate you for it. And if you make the wrong decision, there may be a smaller group that hates you for it. But either way you go, you're going to come out the loser. And, man, we had several of those where we, I, I believe we did the right thing. But as we made the decision to do the right thing, man, it made some people angry at us and we got blame and we got lied about. And I don't know about you. I'm the kind of person, if you tell the truth about me and it's negative, I'm okay with that. I'll own it. If you lie about me and say something that wasn't true, that gets my back up. I don't, I don't enjoy that very much at all. But, man, we took blow after blow after blow. It was just a major spiritual attack. And there's no way around it, no two ways around it. It hurt our church. It hurt our momentum. It hurt me as a minister. It hurt everything. But through that all, I said all that to say this. I learned one extremely valuable lesson. And if you get nothing else out of what I'm saying to you this morning, get this, because I believe it's really important. It may be the most important thing for the American church, probably the world church today. The, most, the thing that I learned, the most important thing that I took out of all that is that the central, the most important, the key thing that a church can do is pray together. That is the most important thing that a church can do is pray together. And that's where the rubber really meets the road because anybody can come in and listen to a sermon. I can have somebody who is an atheist, somebody who doesn't believe in God at all. They can come here and sit through my sermon, and they could even nod and smile, and it would mean nothing to them. Anybody can do that. And a lot of people can stand, sometimes I wish more, but a lot of people can stand and raise their hands and praise God while a worship song's going on and lift their voice, and some of them will turn around and walk right out the door and do things that just kind of spit in God's face. But for that period of time, they can sure fake it real good. But you can't fake prayer. At least it's very, very hard to fake prayer. I think it's one of the very deepest marks of spiritual maturity is if we're able to pray or not, if we enjoy prayer. You know, if we have, man, here I am. I'm about to go on sabbatical, and I shouldn't go here, but I'm going to go here. 
we have a food event, this place will be packed. And I'm talking about church people. I'm not talking about people from the community. We have a food event, people, and we're having a hot dog thing Wednesday night. Well, I want you to come. Don't stay away or anything like that. But we have a food event. Here they are with their plate. Give me some food, free food. All right, you feed them, they will come. We have a prayer event. We'll be looking like tumbleweeds will be blowing by, like, a, like an old western or something. You know, nobody here. Parking lot half empty. You know, here's just a faithful few of us coming to pray. As Christians, man, we don't like to pray. Let's just be real. As Christians, we don't care about prayer. We do special prayer times. We do special prayer emphases. And, man, it's like a ghost town most of the times if we say, hey, come, let's pray. And it leaves, the, it leaves our flanks so open. If I failed as anything over the first seven years as your lead pastor of this church, if I failed in any way, it's that I did not lead you to help this become a house of prayer. That's my biggest failure, and I put that on me. I did not do a good enough job at that. But I tell you what, I believe there's a second seven years coming, and we're going to be all about praying. If you don't like to pray, maybe you need to go to another church down the road that doesn't care about prayer. Because I've seen the spiritual enemy that we have and the only way to overcome him, the only way to defeat this enemy. We talk, we're going to talk in the next few weeks about the full armor of God. But at the end of it, it says, and pray. Stand in prayer. Be watchful in prayer. After, after you've done everything, pray in the spirit at all times. We have got to become a people of prayer. I want to honor a group of people because I really believe these folks have saved our church. I really believe any spiritual power we have in this church is because of these people. After our next service uh, spun off into a church plant, I said, let's keep our Saturday night time open. We're already worshiping at that time. We've already had something going. And let's start a prayer time on Saturday night where people can come and can pray for an hour on Saturday night. And uh, if you have been a faithful attender to that, and I'm saying faithful probably means you come once or twice a month even. I know some come more than that. But if you have been a faithful attender of our prayer time, if you've been faithful to come, would you stand if you've been part of that? If you have faithfully attended the prayer times that we have had on Saturday nights? All right, guys, see these folks right here? They're the reason there's power in this church. Whatever power we have, they're the reason. Whatever preservation we have in this church, whatever power we have against the enemy, these folks who have been faithful to come, sometimes in the middle of rainstorms, sometimes in the middle of uh, heat, sometimes with a lot of other stuff going on in town they could be going to do, they've been here to pray. Now, you guys stand back up. Stand back up. I wasn't done with you yet. Stand back up. These folks right here are the reason that we have any power in this church, that this church is still here, that I got through one of the toughest times. It encouraged me when I would see people come to pray with me. And sometimes they prayed over me as a pastor. They prayed for my sermon the next day. They prayed for you guys and everybody that's going to show up on Sunday morning. Uh, they, they have, we've prayed over every subject you can think of. We've prayed over our youth. We've prayed over health. These people have been here to pray with us on Saturday nights during that time. And you say, well, Brent, Saturday night's a tough time to come. Yeah, well, we, you know what? When it comes to prayer, every time's a tough time to, to show up and pray because it's not where our heart is, but I pray that it's where our heart would be. Okay, y'all can sit down now. Give these folks a round of applause.
And you'll notice only a few of them are actually on the leadership team or the board of our church. Most of those are just average folks that come to our church, not in a leadership position or anything like that, but they've come here and they've prayed. Man, the most important thing a church can do is pray because we have an enemy that hates us. We have an enemy that wants to destroy us. And these folks have done such a great job. By the way, while I'm gone, it's still going on. 6.30 every Saturday night. If you want to show up and pray, if you've got a prayer request on your heart, they'll pray for you. They'll pray for healing if you need that. They'll pray for all sorts of things. So while I'm gone, uh, Daryl Gordon is going to be directing that over these six weeks. You are welcome to come. And I always say, I know everybody can't come every Saturday night. I don't come every Saturday night. I come probably nine out of ten. I know that we can't be there every Saturday night, but we can be there some. And we can make a prayer, prayer a priority enough to be there sometimes to pray. But as we went through everything, man, I really learned we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against Satan and his fallen angels and against the gates of hell itself. We really do have an enemy out there. He really hates us. He really would like to see the church of Jesus Christ fail but the good news is Jesus has already proclaimed the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The church is going to win because of Jesus, because of what he's done. But I'll be honest with you, I've probably never seen a church that Satan has fought any harder than he's fought this church here over the last little while. And you might be sitting here, maybe you're a guest here today, maybe you're, you're new here and you're kind of walking in on an odd sermon and I'm sorry about that, but maybe you're thinking, well, why would I want to be part of that? Well, let me tell you a little secret. Satan fights those hardest that he's most afraid of. Satan fights those hardest that can do the most for the kingdom. Sometimes if you're rolling along and you have no problem and you have no opposition and, and it just seems like everything is great, that means Satan's not afraid of you anymore. That means he's kind of got you right where he wants you and he doesn't have to attack you. He doesn't have to tear you down. You can just roll right on and you think you're good. And all the while Satan's like, they're not doing any damage. I'm cool. I'm not messing with them. But if Satan is really attacking you, I believe Satan attacks this church because he hates this church. Just really do. I think he's afraid of what we can do. I think he's afraid of what we will stand for. And so I believe that we have to learn how to fight back in the spiritual. We need to put on the full armor of God. We need to enter into that battle. We need to stand. I've mentioned this guy to you before, but one of the guys that I have most respect for in the world, a guy named Rusty Lee Thomas, who's president of Operation Save America. His 16-year-old son is at the point of death with cancer, just an aggressive cancer. And, uh, you know, you would know this guy, know his ministry, and think, what in the world is happening here? Why in the world is uh, is this being allowed? But he's doing so much good for God's kingdom. Of course Satan's going to attack. Of course Satan is going to try to tear down. Satan always attacks those who are taking ground and advancing in the battle. But I'd rather be in the battle than sitting on the sideline, just everything comfortable, everything good. I would rather be in the battle. I would rather be fighting. I would rather be somebody that Satan... I've heard pastors say this before. When I get up in the morning, I want Satan to say, Oh, no, he's up. Oh, no, I better get on my game now because he's up and, and, and he's coming against me. guy named Steve Camp, way probably back in the 80s, if you, look this, if you listen to this song, you'll be like, Dude, that's an 80s song. But it's got some great words to it. He wrote a, wrote a song called Run to the Battle. And the lyrics say this. Some people want to live within the sound of chapel bells, but I want to run a mission a yard from the gates of hell. And with everyone I meet, I'll take the gospel and I'll share it well. 
and look around you as you hesitate for another soul just fell. Let's run to the battle. Have you got your armor on? We're in the middle of a raging war. We've been training for so long. Have we learned to use his sword? We may not be ready, but we serve a mighty Lord. And he's made us more than conquerors. So what are you waiting for? Let's run to the battle. Church, a lot of the battle is done in prayer. We have those shirts that say pray instead that we came up with. And, and, and I thought, you know, we really thought, we thought, man, everybody's going to be into this. This is a great slogan, great look, everything. We thought that'll be everywhere. And, and, and we have made some impact with that, but probably not as much as we thought we would. Um, we do need to pray instead. We do need to be people of prayer. We're great at griping sometimes. We're great at complaining. We're great at seeking our own way. We're great at doing our own thing. We need to be great at prayer. We need to run to the battle in prayer and fight against the enemy. So I think that nicely sets up Blake and Jason and Adam over the next few weeks. They're going to teach you about the, the gospel armor and the armor of God. They're going to teach you what that looks like and, and, and how to use that. So that's kind of the introduction for today, but I'm going to skip down to the conclusion of this section because I think it fits so well kind of where I am right now and where I'm asking you all to be. It's Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. God's where I won't make you stand again, but please key in on this. It says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for the saints and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. This is the Apostle Paul again writing from prison, writing from, from under house arrest, being in chains. And again, he says, pray for all the saints. There are some people you really need to pray for over the next few weeks. And I'm earnest about this, y'all. I'm serious about this. You need to write their names down. You need to put them on a prayer list. You really need to go to God on their behalf. I already mentioned Jason Baker. You need to pray for him and his family. As he's leading this church, he's going to be your acting lead pastor. If you have a problem, if you think the church has a problem, unless it's an utter emergency, let me rephrase that. There's probably not an emergency you need to call me about during sabbatical. You'll need to call Jason. And so he's going to be the point guy. He's going to be your lead pastor over the next few weeks. And so you need to pray for him as he undertakes to do that and to do it well. Pray for Jason. Pray for Blake Henson and Adam Hurley as they both are kind of going to book in this thing and, and speak to you guys. You need to pray for them as this is out of their ordinary to be preparing sermons and delivering sermons. And so pray for them. You need to pray for Julia Calicut. She's going to be our acting worship director. And I told Julia, I said, don't try to be Jason. Be Julia. The songs that you pick, the, the, the way that you lead worship, you do, you, you be you. And you let God use you. And so she's going to do that over the next few weeks. Pray for my wife and kids. Pray for my wife, Julie, and their four children. Um, I've talked to you about what I've gone through over the last couple of years. In our relationship, I'm always the one that's up. I'm always the one that's, let's go, let's take ground, let's, you know, I, I'm very driven. And Julie's usually the one that's like, calm down a little bit, dude. You're, you're, you're getting too worked up over there, you know. She, she holds me back. Well, over the last couple of years, as I've been down as well, it's been really interesting in, in, in her life because she's used to me kind of pulling her ahead and she holds me back 
And we were just kind of both sitting there like, what are we doing now? And so pray for Julie. God is working in her life and blessing her. And pray for our kids. We were going on vacation earlier in the year, and I won't call names, but we always rotate prayer every night. And my son, Aiden, uh, 11 years old, was praying that night. It was his turn to pray. And as we went on vacation, he said, Dear Lord, please let know, and he named a family that had been in our church, and know, and he named another family that had been in our church, mess up this vacation. Because we actually had a couple of vacations where some people in our church blew up everything in the middle, calling us and causing problems, and, and they're not here anymore. But, uh, you know, it, so it, it, what my point is, it's tough on kids sometimes. It's tough on the family of a pastor. So pray for my kids and my wife over the next little while. But above all, I ask that you pray for me as your pastor. Because I want to echo Paul here. He says, I'm going to paraphrase him a little bit here. Praying on my behalf that utterance may be given me in the opening of my mouth to make it known with boldness the mystery of the gospel that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Church, that is my greatest desire. I want to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to preach the entire counsel of God boldly. We're in a, we're in a, a culture right now, we're in a society that doesn't like boldness. When it comes, if you're very positive and you're more of a motivational Christian speaker every Sunday morning, oh, they love that. But when you come down and say, here's what the Word of God says, and here's what's right, and here's what's wrong, and yeah, there are some gray areas, but most of them are pretty black and white. You know, when you get down to that sort of thing, it's not always the most popular thing to do. And I don't want to be sugar when God is calling me to be salt. And sometimes I got to be salt. And uh, there's a whole lot of sugar out there. And, and sometimes uh, I have to step up, and that's tough because uh, people don't always take that so well. Pray that I'll preach boldly. Pray that I'll go just wherever God leads me. And that's what I, I need over this sabbatical time is I need his direction. I really need, at, a very, at a pretty early age, in my early 20s anyway, God had mapped out enough of my life for me that I knew kind of where I was going. I remember standing in the front yard of my mom and dad's house. I told my mom, I said, when I'm about 27 years old, I'll take my first church and I'll be there for a few years. And then I believe God's going to bring me back to Rushwood and I'm going to be their pastor. And so at 26 years old and 11 months, almost just a month away from what I had said, I took my first church as a lead pastor. I was there for a few years. This church opened up, and, man, they didn't want me here, just to be honest with you. They said, you're too young, you're too inexperienced, you have too many family ties to the church. And they were right on all of that. But God wanted me here. I knew that he did. He'd shown me that he wanted me here. And so God had mapped all of that out for me so very clearly, and I just thank him for doing that for me. But he's never shown me anything past that as far as how my ministry should go. And I truly believe that God wants me to stay here. I believe that God wants us to do a lot more as a church together, and I truly believe that. But I need to know what that needs to look like. I need to know exactly what that needs to look like. And so just pray that God would reveal that to me. Uh, pray that God would, would give me the kind of ministry. I told a young man the other day as we were talking, he came in and met with me, and I said, I want my ministry to be a great experiment. Can somebody really believe the Bible? Can somebody really preach the truth about the Bible in a culture that doesn't want to believe the truth of God's Word? Can somebody do that? Can somebody do that boldly but still be loving to everybody and kind and compassionate to everybody? 
That's, that's where I want my ministry to be, very compassionate but also very bold and loving at the same time as being very truthful. That's what I see in Jesus Christ and the way he ministered and the way he worked with people. And so that's what I want my ministry to be, and I just need God to show me exactly what that needs to look like. So I guess what I'm saying is please pray for me over these next six weeks. I need to hear from God. And, he, and God moves in his own timing. He's sovereign. I can't force him into anything. I'm going to have to be there, and I'm going to have to listen for what he's saying to me. I'd like for us to end up this way. I'd like for you to stand. And uh, if you had been in this church for a long time, you know that one of their favorite choruses from years and years ago was a chorus called God is So Good. Great chorus. Been done a lot over the years. Well, recently, Passion Worship has taken that chorus and they, they've inserted it. They've built some new verses around it. And they've even changed the wording just a little bit. So instead of it being us telling God, telling each other that God is so good, we're actually talking to God and saying, God, you're so good. And so if you've been around here for a while, you know this is actually part of this church's long, rich tradition, but it's kind of being done in a new way. And I feel like that's kind of what my ministry over this first seven years has been, steeped in the tradition of this church, but done in a new way. And not everybody caught that, but some of you did, and I praise God for you. But I want us to sing this song together. I love this song. It uplifts my soul, and so I want to end that way. So let's sing this together this morning. Sing it like you mean it. Maybe raise your hands and worship God. Praise Him for being so good.
pray. Father, we give you thanks for your goodness to us. And God, I would pray that over this next six weeks, you would continue to be good to this church. You would continue to be good to me and my family, God. Lord, I pray for those who are filling positions that might be a little bit outside the norm for them. Bless them, God, we pray. Father, I pray that you would make this house a house of prayer. That, God, we would be a people who seek you, who love to pray, who love to engage in the power that's there when we pray. Um, Father, we thank you that we are not distant, that we don't have to go through a priest, that we don't have to go through any uh, organization, God, that we can come right to you. And, God, we can approach boldly your throne of grace and find help in our time of need. Lord, I pray as we leave this place today, your blessings would abound on this church, on this community, Lord. Lord, we love you so much. We praise you so much. We thank you above all that you are good to us and you are good to us through Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray all these things and everyone said, amen. As you leave today, remember our giving boxes. Uh, we would ask that you would your tithes and offerings continue to support our church, continue to support this ministry. I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. I'll see some of you Wednesday night and I'll see some of you in six weeks. God bless you.